0: Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. I'm going to go right into it. Series titled Philippians. Uh That's the title of the series and the name of the book that we're studying. We're doing a chapter, a Sunday. It has four chapters, so we're going to take four Sundays. We started last Sunday with chapter one. And if you remember, we talked about the importance of purity. We focused on a specific passage of chapter one. And uh, we went into the process of how, how Paul encouraged this church to have a pure heart. Now, obviously, anything to do with purity, sanctification, and the process of becoming ho- holy, <clears throat> to use a biblical language, uh, can only be done by the grace of God. can only be done by the grace of Jesus Christ. But Paul explains how the grace of God operates in us. And that was last week. You can go back and listen to that if you would like or watch it. Uh, and today, we're going to move on to chapter 2 of Philippians. And we're going to look at a few passages in this chapter. And this message will probably be structured in a couple of blocks. The first few verses and then the second part of that chapter where Paul transitions into uh, a relationship with God and with the world. But let me ask you the question, this question to you. Who is better than you? Who do you know that's better than than you? Can you think of someone who is better than you? And it might take you a long time to try to figure that out, because everybody here is so good. <laughs> Even if it's, it's, it's an important question to ask, who's better than you? Because when you ask that question, you have to organize some system of value, some value structure, for you to be able to decide who's better than you. And even if, you, if it's just based on a feeling, some kind of system of value will lead you to that feeling. If you thought of someone specific who's better than you, if you thought of a name or maybe you saw a face, let me ask you this. Why is that person better than you? What was it that led you to think that that person is better than you? Are they better than you because they're more successful? Are they better than you because they're more educated? Are they better than you because they're better looking, younger, stronger? Maybe it's because they're married and you're not, or maybe because they have kids and you don't. Something led you to think that. Are they more giving? Are they more loving, more forgiving? Now, it's true that there's always going to be somebody better than us at something. And to some of us, this can be very annoying. Um, But every time we think of someone who's better, we create a subjective value system. And in that system, there's not only people who are better, there are people who are worse. And so... We kind of categorize people, whether it's a, a, out of a, you know, innocent heart or not, there is a way to categorize people. Now, I don't know if you're a competitive person or if you grew up in an environment where you had to excel competitively, but I can get competitive about anything. I can get competitive about silly things. Like when we used to live in Texas, there were some friends that, from Connecticut that we knew, Alini grew up in Connecticut, so there were some people that I met through her. And uh, we used to live in Texas, and we would, whenever we would talk to them, I would always ask, like, "What are you doing in Connecticut? You guys got to come to Texas, man! It's a great state, amazing people, the food is amazing, the gas is cheap. It's always warm all year round." And I would present Texas like it's a paradise, and it was all true. Believed it in my heart. Loved it. And then God called us to Connecticut. So now I have friends in Houston, Texas. And guess what I tell them? What are you doing in Houston? You've got to come to Connecticut. It's the best. How can you live in a flat swamp? You've got to drive for 45 minutes every hour. you go, sweating all day, have no seasons. You only have hot and hotter, no snow suffocating in the humidity. What are you doing there? Come to Connecticut. It's the best state in the nation. And I truly believe that with all my heart. I wasn't lying in any of those scenarios. I believe it with all my heart. I genuinely love living here. I love our city. I love our state. I love our people. I love you guys. I think we're the best. I think this is the best place to live. And it's not a pride thing. It's just an excitement. I'm excited to live here. Uh, Alina and I are still discovering new places, new spots. And every time we find a new spot, it's like, wow, this is amazing. Not too long ago, we discovered the arboretum. I think it was two years ago during the pandemic. We didn't even know that Stanford had an arboretum. And we went to the Bartlett Ar- Arboretum. It's so beautiful. So we were uh, taking pictures and, and it became a favorite spot. I love it here. By the way, this week is our nine-year anniversary of uh, moving to Connecticut. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Can you believe in nine years? I can have... <laughs> yes, thank you, Lord. I can get competitive for friends, for my friends, too. Like I look at Dan, who was here playing the guitar. Dan, you might not know this, he's a great designer. He has an eye for things, for interior uh, building and he just hit the way his mind works he's the best he's awesome and so whenever he has ideas i'm like dude i don't even tell me about it just do it you know because I, I trust you you're amazing you're awesome think of osman or band director here he's the best he's he works hard every week he puts hours in to make sure that we have an amazing worship he's the best nobody can tell me that he's not the best he's the best uh, jeffrey playing the drums he's the best drummer any church could have he is has a heart, not only because he's great. He's great. He's talented. He has a heart of worship. He, he's always smiling. He's the. You know, and that's who he is. And he worships when he plays. I love it. It's great. Susie, Susie is amazing. She's so attentive to details. She, if she's going to learn something, she's going to learn everything about it. Her husband is the same way. Dante is like, if he puts his mind to something, it's going to happen. They're the best. Eric, I mean, I can name everybody here. Eric is the most dependable person in the world. You will not find anybody more dependable than Eric. He's awesome. Our whole team. Everybody. I'm not even going to mention my wife because I don't want anybody here (laughs) thinking that they are not the best wife in the room. Because I would convince you that she is the best mom and wife in the room. I'm not going to mention my kids. We have amazing people, and I will, f- I will fight people because I'm, like, in me, you know, for you. Like, we were, <laughs> I just thought of it. We went, uh, not too long ago, we, we got a group of people, and we went to watch, uh, uh, Kevin is here. His son, Evan, plays baseball, and we went to watch a baseball game. And I'm so pumped for Evan because he's in this high school team and he's playing another high school team. And they are killing it. I mean, they're winning 9-1 at this point in the game. And, and, and so they're amazing. And then this, he, he has some awesome plays and we're screaming his name. We're shouting his name. We're shouting his name when he's not even playing. And, and so this kid comes up to bat and he hits the ball and it's amazing. He hits it and he starts running. And I don't know what got in me, but I, I just started screaming, Go Evan! And then his mom and, 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 and sister told me, no, oh, that's not Evan. I was like, I don't care. I'm cheering for Evan. He's my guy. Go, Evan. <laughs> I could go on and on, man. Because I have this thing in me, like I'm competitive, and I'll be competitive for you. So I don't know if you're a competitive, but a competitive person is always measuring. You're always ranking things. Sometimes it's healthy. Sometimes it's not healthy. But even if you're not competitive, you might be the least competitive person here. You might be the kind of person that you don't care about winning, really. In fact, if you are in a competition, part of you just wants to lose to see the joy in the other person's face. You kind of want them to win so you can celebrate with them. Yeah, you won. Even if you're that person, that collaborative giving person, You can find, even you can find, multiple people who are better than you. Because in our hearts, we have a value system on how to measure people all the time. It's part of our system. We decide if people are better. We decide if people are worse. That's because we look at what people do we look at what people are capable of, we look at their track record, and we have a mold. We have a value system, a way by which we measure someone's worthiness. In chapter 2 of Philippians, the Apostle Paul confronts our value systems. He comes in and he completely infuses the life of Christ, the Christ's existence, and Christ's value system on how to look at our brothers and sisters let's go to the scripture we're going to read about 11 verses right now and i'm going to to read it from the nlt version it's it's so you can grasp a little more it says is there any encouragement in from, from belonging to christ any comfort from his love any fellowship together in the spirit are your hearts tender and compassionate just four questions to get you thinking. Then, make me truly happy. He was his pastor, their pastor, their leader. So he's saying, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests only, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not, uh, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges... He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore... God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. See, what we can learn, what we all can learn from this scripture is that those who follow Jesus, those who have chosen to take the path of life that Jesus leads us to, leave, to live, they have a different standard. So if you're a follower of Christ, you live by a different standard. Standard when you, were, when you made a decision to belong to Christ, to live by the ways of Christ, you embraced a different standard. See, the world has a standard. How people are valued. How people are counted in or out. And some of you, you've suffered. You not only benefited, but you suffered from the systems of the world. The world decides who gets in the circle. They have a system for that. Who gets the promotion? Who gets the big office? Who gets canceled? But the way of the world is not. God's way the way of the world is not Christ's way so Paul asks the question is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ in other words in other words if you belong to Christ what are you encouraged to do what does belonging to Christ give you the courage to do because that's what encouragement encouragement in its core means right It means that God gives you the courage to act, to live a certain way, to do something. He's asking the question, what does belonging to Christ give you the courage to do in the world you live in? How does His love comfort us? Is there any evidence that you are living in community with the Holy Spirit? That's verse 1 for you. He continues to challenge. He says, make me happy by showing evidence. Actually, let's go to verse 2 right there. Can you put it on the screen? Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. In other words, make me happy by showing evidence of these things. Evidence that Christ is encouraging you. That Christ is giving you courage to act in this way. How? Love each other. Love one another. You you will live in agreement, agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. You will find a point of agreement so that you can lock in, and you will have a common purpose with one another. Verse three. Don't be selfish. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? Don't be selfish. Sometimes we think of selfishness as people who just want everything for themselves, and that is selfishness. Or people who just talk about themselves—that's selfishness too. But there's another part of selfishness that where people just make everything about themselves. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Hey, I uh, you you gotta you gotta see uh, the, the 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 meal I cooked yesterday, man. I I, I grilled some chicken. It was was probably the best chicken I've grilled. It was delicious. And the guy responds, oh, man, I had steak yesterday, and I marinated it, and and it was so good. The way that I made it, let me tell you, listen, it was Tuesday. I didn't even care because that's how I live, how I roll. I, I have steak on Tuesdays. It's so great. And the way that I do the steak is this, this, and that. And then it's so good for me because the way that I eat is the best way for myself. In my life, and so I had (laughs) stake. You share something about yourself, and immediately the conversation becomes about them. That's selfishness. And so, scripture is saying, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. It's connected, right? Why would you try to impress others? Don't live for that. Be humble. Thinking of others. There's that phrase, as better than yourselves. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Let's just pause here for a moment because Paul is asking this church and he's asking us, each of us, to think of the people around you right now as better than yourselves. So, can you look around for a little bit? Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you're better than me. Now, mean it. <laughs> This is so countercultural. Do you understand how countercultural this is? Do you understand how different this is? We live in a culture that says, You think you're better than me? Yeah, you think you're better than me, huh? You're a big shot now, huh? think you're better than me? Huh? In your premium seats, sitting out there drinking your coffee, you think you're better than me? Because you can play the guitar over here, huh? Right? Think about it. At work, if you want to excel, you got to be better than other people. you got to be better than your work, co-workers, if you want to stand out. At school, for you to graduate with honors, you got to be better than others. you got to be better than the average. In sports, the best team wins. you got to be better. And I'm not saying that those things are wrong. I'm just saying that when it comes to profession, studies, performance, we can just look at people through one lens because that's the lens of our culture. They are valued by what they do, what they're engaged in, the degree, the education, the title, the professional performance. In sports, the best team wins. You've got to be better. It's an election year. The best candidate will win, hopefully. Let's pray. God, please help, help us have the best candidates win. because. That's our value system. But Christ didn't live by the standard of the world. That's what Paul is telling us. Christ did not live by that standard. And listen, we ought to know this that we are in the world, Jesus said, but we're not of it. We're in the world, but not of it. So when it comes to people, we ought to embrace. The value system of Jesus Christ. Now, you're still gonna have to go to work and perform. Still gotta have to school and get good grades. You're still gonna do your best. And there might be some rankings and you might fall, you know, in the middle, top, toward the bottom. But that's not your value. You understand? And that's not how we value people. So, Paul says we must have the same attitude of humility that christ had although he was god he let go of heaven and he became a man but he didn't become a fancy man he didn't come as a king or a governor or a wealthy man he came as a humble servant in fact paul likens it to a slave he came like a slave And he lived, and he served, and then he died. But he didn't die just any death. He died a criminal's death. Wow. Because of this, because Christ lived in such a way, God exalted him and gave him a name so that every knee may bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing that we should have it in our heart and let it really take root in our hearts. Confessing that Jesus is Lord is not a religious thing. Confessing that Jesus is Lord is a clear statement of saying, Jesus, I want your ways because your ways are better than my ways. I want your ways Because your ways are better than the world's ways. The way you saw people, the way you see people, the way you treat people, the way you value people is the way that I want to value people. The way that you lived in the world is the way that I want to live in the world. Your mode of living, Jesus, is better. The way that you lead us to live is better. And I don't want to live according to the world system. I don't want to live according to the world's value system. I don't want to I don't want to belong to this. I want to be purified. I want to live according to your value system. Therefore, you're my Lord. You're my God. Therefore, Jesus, be my Lord. See Paul is saying, Jesus left heaven for you. He left his divine place to become a man and he died for you because he loves you he thought you were worth it so how are you to value others how are we to value others how are we to how are we to see our neighbors do we value them according to their status we consider them better because of their education? Do we count them as better because of their fitness or their beauty or their wealth? No. We value them because Jesus values them. We value them because Jesus died for them. We value them in the same way that Jesus did. We love them because Jesus loves them. So the person sitting next to you, what Paul is saying is, You ought to be mindful of their interests as well. You ought to be mindful of what they like and what they don't like. Be mindful of other people's interests, not just your own. He doesn't say, don't be mindful of your, don't seek your own interests. He says, don't seek your own interests only, but be mindful of your friend's interests. Because their life is valuable to God. Now, once we understand this, <coughs> excuse me. Once we understand this, we're ready to live for God wholeheartedly. Once we understand that we ought to embrace God's value system. Now we move to the next part of that chapter. Where he says verse 12, he says, "Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important now listen to what he says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Wow. See, we have to do our part. Work hard. We have to do our part to show the results of our salvation. Now, what is the work? Some, some, some translations say, work, work your salvation with fear and trembling, right? What is the work? Working out your salvation. What is the work? What is your part? Next verse answers the question. He says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. That's the work. The work is to do what pleases God. is to do His will. Now this is a powerful scripture because Paul is saying, You don't do it in your own strength. As you abide in Christ, as you abide in His presence, as you, as you have a relationship with Him, you seek Him daily through prayer and the Scriptures. As you are intentional with your choices, God will work within you and give you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He continues, verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. i going to sit on that one a little bit. Verse 15, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. It's a strong word, but it's an accurate word. Because our world is crooked, isn't it? We can all tell it. Our world is perverse. There's some perverse things happening in our world. It's not hopeless to call it that. Because it calls us to our responsibility as followers of Christ. As those who believe in God. How are we to impact our world? We see things happening around us. How are we to change our world? What are we to do? It's sometimes easy to feel powerless. How can we change the world? How can we impact the people around us? How do we look at a crooked world and make it better and change it for the better and make them straight? Do we, do we try to do it through means of force? Do we force people to live like we do? Do we force people to believe like we do? Do we criminalize people who don't live like we do? No. Do we send them to hell in a handbasket? Even though we might be tempted to, no. You change a crooked world by shining. You shine like bright lights. He explains this is how this is how you impact the world. When you love one another, when you consider others better than yourselves. Listen, when you, when you allow the life of Christ to encourage you, to give you the courage to, to live a certain way, and you flow in that, and you are not intimidated by the ways of the world, and you don't succumb to the value system of the world, but you embrace Christ's way of life, and you value people, and you love people, and you have a relationship with God, where you're working out your salvation, you're growing in Christ, you're allowing God to develop in you a desire to do God's will, and you work it out, and you work it out, and you allow Christ to grow, and his His life to grow in you. This is what going to happen you will become a light in the world and you will shine brightly in darkness so work it out live clean lives as that's how you work out your salvation in reverence for christ in reverence for what he's done for you in reverence for his call in your life live clean lives and let your light shine renounce the ways of the world Allow God to bring heaven into your life. Do things without complaining, don't grumble. Be humble like Christ was humble. You might need to suffer a little bit. You might need to not take the high places of, of life. There might be seasons when you're going to you're going you're gonna to be a servant. There might be seasons where people are going to treat you like a criminal, like they treated Jesus. They're gonna treat you like, like you're in the wrong, and they're gonna they're gonna criticize you. But that's okay. Continue to shine your light. Live above reproach, reproach. Because as you do that, as you allow heaven to come into your life, as you continue to lo- love fully, as you live in one accord, as you suffer for your brothers and sisters as you forgive generously, God will come into your life and is going to cause you to sit in the heavens with Christ Jesus. See, there's a scripture that Paul says that we are seated in heavenly places. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And that's that transition of when Christ's life abounds in us and we choose to live for Him, we are exalted. That means that God is the one who will promote you, God is the one who will show you the way, God is the one who will use you to change the world. He will honor your devotion. And let me encourage you today to practice these things in fact i challenge you to stay in the book of philippians this month if you're looking for something to read in the bible let's just just read it again and again and again we're on chapter two this week go back home this week and just abide on those texts. there's so much in this book that we can't unpack and we can't explore all in the 30 minute message but i encourage you to do that if you do that if you practice these things you will see the hand of god in your life like never before do you receive it this morning Amen. Awesome. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.